Didn't they boss the investigation of a serial killer because of prejudice inside the force? Catching images of what they believe are ghosts. The victims there were vulnerable women, many indigenous. The world is a lot. It really is. That's why we started our podcast, Six Sad World. I am Jasmine, and this is my co-host Mari. And we host a bi-weekly podcast on all things macabre. We cover anything from serial killers to cults to alien conspiracies to ghost stories and so much more. We are childhood friends and we're both passionate about social justice. We'll discuss how these things intersect with racism, sexism, ableism, and queermisia. We both have unique perspectives coming from marginalized identities. Me as a black cis woman and Mari as a disabled trans person. We offer the kinds of conversations we felt were missing in true crime and horror. And we're hoping you'll join the conversation, too. So check out Six Sad World. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find your podcasts. Mommy, this show can be content that is not suitable for kids like me. Hi, Diana. Let's do this shit. Welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plyme and Diana Seacon, where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system. Not a damn thing. <laughs> Not even a little bit. But we're still crazy for a good true crime story. And I have some really great true crime stories to tell you today. Yay! Well, before you tell us all those cool true crime stories, I have some other things to say. I'm excited. Excellent. Well, first up, Crime Crazy is sponsored by Dave Hat and Seb Bryce. Two amazing people. Yes, indeed. Show sponsors support Crime Crazy uh, through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. Thank you so much. Speaking of Patreon, Erin. Mm-hmm. Yes. Do you know what today is? God, it's, well, okay, so it's not March. But we're still March sports balling. So True. it's probably April. And so it must be the shout out day. It's shout out day! Woo! All right. So all patrons get a monthly shout out on the first episode we record in a month. And that is now. Today. So thank you to all of our Patreon supporters Brian Williams. Woohoo! Dave Hat. Awesome. Diana Seacon and Aaron Plyme. Too cool. Right? Jess Lee, our newest Patreon. Thank you. Patty Snow. Woohoo. Peg Poole. Also awesome. And Seb Bryce. Yay. So if you would like to be like those awesome people, you can check out our Patreon. It is adorable. Yes. Go to patreon.com slash crimecrazypod or just search for crimecrazypod. Also, we uh, we don't have any more review shout outs, but if you would like to leave us a review on wherever you get your podcasts, we might shout you out or pull a quote to put on our social media. Yes. Or um, is saying that we'll tattoo it on ourselves a step too far? That's a lot. That's a lot. I, ha- I have a no words rule, but I mean, see if you can make me break it. You know, I think... I think that is a good challenge to give. Like there may be a dollar amount that would make me reconsider. Maybe. But it. Maybe. You know, that's sort of like saying there may be a dollar amount at which I would sell my body for sex, which I'm not sure there is. There's definitely a dollar amount. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So Diana's going to be on next week's episode and it's going to be uncomfortable <laughs> as anything <laughs> i don't like the way this conversation is going and i think we should get back to pot i don't even know how the hell we got here i don't either but i do want you to know that you can follow crime crazy on all the social medias <laughs> oh, no. at crime crazy pod or visit our website at crimecrazypodcast.com, although we have exciting news yes. coming up about the website. We have exciting news coming up about all things, not to like tease, um, although we, we should point out that we once before teased some exciting news that then did not happen, but this one is going to happen because it's within our control. <laughs> all right, so 
I've been listening to podcasts. I thought I had not. I've also been listening to podcasts. <laughs> Hooray. We are such good podcasters. Yay us. Yay. Um, can I tell you about mine? Yes. Okay. I'm just going to butt in and go first. I have to find my Google Doc. Okay. Here we go. So <laughs> I listened to another podcast by one of the lady pod squatters. Mm-hmm. When you say it like that, it sounds like pod squatters. Like we are like we're squatting on squatting the pods. Squatting on pods um anyway so actually this this is two there were two female hosts and so it is called make it modern podcast and the premise is it's two girls uh kelsey and ashley i didn't write it down so i'm fairly certain that's their names uh and (laughs) they talk about stuff like their tagline is something to the effect of things that really don't need to be made modern but we're gonna do it anyway (laughs) sounds amazing right so they just talk about old things or like old beliefs or like things that people don't really buy into anymore or like um the one I listen to is on mythology so Egyptian mythology so really old things um the episode I listened to I had to listen to it because it was titled shadow sex and I needed to know what that was about (laughs) so now I do Wait. <laughs> nope. What is Mm-mm, it's a teaser. You guys oh. have to go listen to it. Uh no, it was fascinating. So it was all about like ancient Egypt mythology and uh, like the creation of the world and all of this kind of stuff. I'm not telling you what shadow sex is, so don't get your hopes up. Um it was very good. But, but, They're really but funny. My what? Birthday. Well but maybe was my birthday. Maybe <laughs> I'll download it onto your phone for you tomorrow. <laughs> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. So, so yeah. So they talk about all of these things. They are, they say with like plenty of millennial snark, they're hilarious. Um, <laughs> and it, like, I'm, I feel educated. Nice. I try not to do that as a general rule, but you know, mm-hmm. I just find that most of the time when I listen to podcasts, I learn a little bit of shit. Sometimes literally shit, but that's usually yeah. ours. So, oh well, I still love you, <laughs> even if you learn. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. So I was going through my backlog of suggested podcasts because everybody has been suggesting podcasts, and I am only one woman. I know, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I went back and listened to one that uh, one of the many Lindas that we work with recommended. God, there are so me. many Lindas and they're all like almost all on the same team. Right. And they're all fantastic. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's not like we can even differentiate like that. Like the so, cool Linda. Um, I don't want to I don't want to put anybody on blast. So I'm just going to say that it is our friend Linda from Canada. Oh, yes. Who recommended to me Canadian True Crime, which I'm <gasps> looking at just to make sure that I did not fuck that up. I know what you're talking about, though. I have not yet listened to it, but I even remember her recommending that. Yeah, we talked about it. So um, I listened to the two-parter on Paul Bernardo. On, it's so hard to say. Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Yes. Um, who are kind of the, you know... I would say top 10 killers in Canadian history. I mean, there are only 10, so everyone makes it by default. Well, not according to Canadian true crime. (laughs) There's quite a lot of them. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So those are the ones I've listened to so far, and it was really great. Um, They're a little bit shorter than some of the other true crime podcasts, which makes it nice. Um, Mm -hmm. The... uh, Paul Bernardo and Carlo Homolka all together was like an hour and a half. Which is still just scratching the surface with those two nutters. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but lots of really good names and lots of time dedicated to it. And what I was really impressed with uh, is the host, Christy, is Australian, uh, which is just kind of delights me. I mean, yes. But I don't know if she's done podcasting before or what her background or anything is. But this is like the most polished first episode of a podcast I'd heard like she's really killing it so I'm looking forward to 
uh, hearing the rest of it and seeing how it grows and develops and uh, what kind of crazy they're hiding up in the, the Great White North there. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're just better at hiding it than the rest of us. Well, I mean, I can only speak for my relatives when I say town's real far away and you might as well just keep it all at home. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there you go, guys. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, then I guess we move right into, did you learn anything? Because I... I learned a little from the podcast I listened to, and then, like, I learned something else. Okay, so you should tell me what you learned, and then I'm going to try to contain, because I learned a lot of cool, weird stuff this week. Okay. Um, I learned something. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I just must. This is your birthday celebration podcast, because I also <laughs> learned something for you. And then I got, I, I chose my story for you. You're welcome. No, um, (laughs) I did. I learned something because last week I wasn't on the podcast for the first time ever. I know it was weird. And guys, I didn't edit the podcast for the first time ever. (laughs) It was, that's true. I've never done it by myself before. Nope. Nope, you no, oh. nobody else has. I am the only one who has ever done it for every episode. So now you all know that I am to blame <laughs> for the shitty editing <laughs> job that gets done every week. Except for the last Except one. Except on for me. last week. That's Diana's No, it was great. Um so you guys were ta- hold on. Lila. Lila. I'm gonna ask David to come get his fucking dog. (laughs) (sighs) Stop crying at the door. Come show Diana your pathetic face. Come here. Look. Let me look at your pathetic face. Whoops. That is the ceiling. Oh man, she's so shaggy. So shaggy. All of those S's are hard to get Apparently, uh, they have haircut <laughs> appointments in like two weeks, three weeks, a long time. Oh my God. Do I need to bring over my clippers? It's bad here. Like they all look like that. Anyway. Okay. So when you guys were podcasting and I finally got around to listening to it, like two days after it came out, I feel like that's okay. Um, or when I finished it, you had been talking about fish kill. Yes. Yes. And you were like, I should look that up. And I thought, nah, I got it. So I looked it up. I totally forgot I was going to do that. Well, I didn't. So I have some information for you. There are a couple different meanings of fish kill. So sometimes there's like an event that is called a fish kill where uh, there's like an algal bloom or something and a bunch of fish die. And that's that's a big event and they call it. But where I think yours was coming from is that kill but it's spelled either k-i-l or k-i-l-l-e and it's dutch so i could be pronouncing it wrong like it might be keel or i don't know i don't know how i don't know anything about dutch um Mm -mm. but it is a word that basically means like riverbed or water channel or creek so a kill is a body of water it's usually a creek but it could also be like a river or like um, not a bay necessarily, but like a, a little bay um, or like an inlet. Mm-hmm. And it could have tides, but usually it's it's it describes like a freshwater creek or right. if you were in Virginia, a creek, a creek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes total sense. Didn't have anything to do with murdering fish. Okay, it was spelled in the murdery way. It is. That's probably just been over time perverted into. Yeah, because now now kill is like an English word to describe, but it came from the Dutch word, which just meant river or riverbed or... And that makes sense because this was in New York, which had a heavy Dutch settlement. There you go. So makes perfect sense. You guys were talking about it and I was like, no, 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 I know this. 
Like I am relatively <laughs> sure that that is just a word that means some body of water. And then I looked it up and felt really smart. Oh, wow. I had no idea. I really thought it was about murdering fish. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, sometimes they do refer to like a massive death of fish caused by whatever mm-hmm. as like a fish kill. But in this case, it's just the body of water. Cool. Yeah. So there you go. I'm done. That's it. All I got. I didn't learn All anything right. else. All right. But you learned a lot. Um. I learned so many things, uh, and one of them is that Mongolian death metal is amazing, (laughs) and you should all go check it out. I'm loving this. Um, Okay. Oh, my God. It's so crazy. Um, The other thing that I learned this week was April Fool's Day. Oh, yeah. Which um, I apparently really biffed with my kid because I played a... April 6th, <laughs> and he was not happy about it. You made him cry, <laughs> actually, Diana. I didn't mean to. You made I thought it was the least offensive. <laughs> so wait, I feel like I need to justify this. I cut some E's out of construction paper and put them in a brownie <laughs> pan, and then I told him I made him brownies, and then I showed him, and they were brown E's, and he started to cry because then he wanted brownies. <laughs> so, like it wasn't that bad I thought it was going to be funny the other thing I learned <laughs> it was April Fool's Day I am bad at playing jokes and my child does not appreciate them um, but the April Fool's joke I most appreciated I will post the link to uh, when we drop this episode the Bell Museum which is the Natural History Museum at the University of Minnesota put a really great prank oh, yes. uh, out on their webpage which I told you about so uh, you know it wasn't a full surprise, but uh, it was really funny. So I'll post the article. Yeah, that was, it was like elaborate. It was elaborate. There is a great picture that goes with it. And I had a lot of fun because the Bell Museum's like, I don't know, half a mile away from my house. Uh, imagining if this were true and what that would mean for my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Oh. That's cool. Very much fun. Yeah. Awesome. Very fun. All right. All right. Oh, and I also have to give a hat tip to friend and listener Tammy, uh, who w- made me aware of the story about the Bell Museum. Uh, hi, Tammy. Hi, Tammy. Friend and listener Tammy. So, Erin. Yes. Tell me a story. I have a story. This, this is good. It is because we're podcasting. I don't, it's not always yeah. the case. Um, okay, so last week I was not involved, but the week prior I told a story in which a really lazy murderer mm. took some garbage bags, wrapped up some people, and then just sort of put them in his yard, essentially. Mm-hmm. And then got caught because, duh. And, right. And we decided he was really unmotivated, um, blah, blah, blah. I chose garbage bags. And so nice. I chose it for you because I know <laughs> that every time you see a garbage bag abandoned, mm-hmm. you think there's a body. Body. I know this about Definitely you. Definitely body. I also mm-hmm. know it's because your mother taught you that. <laughs> Exactly. And she's puzzled how it turned out like this. Well, and I have concerns because that's definitely what my kids are going to think. In fact, I I told you that Liam woke up out of a <laughs> a couple yes. weeks ago, screamed, Mom, I am not a serial killer, and went back to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight at the dinner table, I said, all right, guys, I have to go, um, you know, good night, whatever. I have to go research dead bodies and garbage bags. And Tobin just looked at me and kind of sighed and went, why? And I was like, because I am twisted and sick. I love you. Good night. <laughs> like, I, there is no why, honey. I have no clue. I just, that's what I have to do today. <laughs> it's what we do. It's Saturday. I have to. So. Yeah. So, dead body garbage bags. Okay. Yes. Um, I also want you to know that if you Google <laughs> body and garbage bags, uh-huh. it is not that uncommon. It's kind of a thing. Well, I feel like if you've got a big mess to get rid of, a garbage bag. Cinch top black garbage bag is the way to go. Apparently it is. 
Although it and, seems and like you got to you got to fork out for the force flex. Oh, 100%. You got to get the good ones. And you not scented ones. or unscented. Like, just go with the ones that don't mention smell. Yeah. You don't want to get a migraine while you're disposing of the dead body. Oh, my God. That's something I've learned this month. Ugh. Yeah. No kidding. That's fucking stupid. Okay. Okay. So, um, there was a girl. Just and the just the one. And her name was, and I'm going to, je- well, her first name was Danielle. I can totally say Danielle. But her <laughs> last name, I believe, is Marjeka. M-A-R-Z-E-J-K-A. Marjeka. Marjeka. don't know what to do with that at all. It has far too many letters that never get used in our language. All stuck in there together. Danielle. Danielle. And then she had a boyfriend. Oh, she was um, 18. And then she had a boyfriend whose name. God, this is probably a common name. His last name was Brian. So I got that. (laughs) His first name is maybe Saren or it's like Serene, but without the last E. Huh. Yeah. So basically, I'm just going to have to call her Danielle and him Brian. And we'll just pretend like those are both first names. There we go. Um, and so they lived in Clinton Township in Michigan. And they were dating. So boyfriend. Oh, he was 19. I think I said that. Um, they were dating boyfriend and girlfriend. They um, they kind of seemed to maybe have our sense of humor. Or at least he did. A little bit dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, they were sort of like, I, they lived together. They were kind of typical teenager whatever uh sometimes they would do the whole i'm gonna go off the grid thing but still be active on facebook messenger and about (laughs) how off the grid they are (laughs) yeah so (laughs) so there's that um and i guess sometimes he would make some kind of like dark jokes or whatever so they went off the grid but then were gone for like four days and just totally gone uh, they were not online. They were not at the house. Friends and family didn't see them. Um, I guess at some point the family went in and like looked at their stuff and they like she had not taken clothes. She had not taken her cell phone charger. She had not taken her insulin with her. Um, she her mother had died like previously, not recently, and <laughs> right. had left her jewelry and she hadn't taken any of that and so it was just like you know things it it wasn't right they were definitely missing so the sunday night after they disappeared at like in the evening they were all sort of sitting around the brother kevin and then his girlfriend and then his dad whose name was robert and he also has another brother named robert so the family is danielle kevin robert and then the dad is also robert and they're all like hanging out at the table and Kevin is really concerned and he's starting to think about like maybe something really bad has happened like this is not normal it's not okay um and then he maybe went outside or the door was open or whatever he smelled this odor Uh. yeah and followed it and found it was coming from their shed and when he looked a little closer, there were thousands of flies. Oh, God. So they opened the shed. He and his father and maybe his girlfriend, definitely him and his father, opened the shed. And they saw these three giant, uh, like, black contractor garbage bags. Mm-hmm. Which... The real good ones. Yeah, the real good ones. And he said that his heart just sank. And they knew... They had to check it out. Like, they could smell. They knew what was going on. There were the flies. But, like, you have to know. And apparently, they stood there for a really long time and argued, like, well, who's going to do it? Who has to go over there and get closer and look? So, finally, his dad got out a knife and went over and cut open one of the bags and just immediately knew that it was a body. And so, they left the, the shed and they went and they called the police. And the police came out and inspected. And sure enough... Both of the bags full of body parts. Uh, parts. Yeah. So, and and I guess had been there for the four days probably, right? Because if right. she didn't take her insulin with her, then like 
probably they had not left of their own accord, so they'd probably been dead the whole time. So police started to do investigation, as you do when you find bags full of body parts. Um, Mm -hmm. And they looked into, of course, all of the family. So, and, and the two as well. So I guess originally there was some rumor about suicide, which makes no sense. I would like to point out. Um, also, the parts. Yes. The people in the article <laughs> pointed out too. They were like, no way was it suicide. If it was, how did they get in the bags? Like, well, and how did they get chopped up? Right. Well, I'm not sure if it was chopped up or decomposed. Like, that was not clear. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. So, but not, no longer whole people. Right. So, one of the things that people looked at was that the boyfriend, Brian, um, ha- made some posts on on social media that were really dark and one time had talked about like overdosing and dying and suicide and that kind of thing. So I think that's where that came from. And I almost okay. wonder if maybe to the general public at first, there wasn't information about how they had been found, just that they had been found. And so that's mm-hmm. why people were like, Oh, well look at what they posted on social media. Obviously they, you know, carried right. through. Um, so, but I know close friends, because the quote about the, the how did she get into the garbage bag thing was a, a close friend of Danielle's. So I know they knew, but probably not everyone did. I mean, I feel like that's the kind of thing you don't release right away. I don't know anything well, about right. it, though. But also if it were something like there'd been a car accident or something like that, right. like that would have been in the news or it would have been immediately known. Immediately known. Yeah. Yeah. So autopsies were done and they found that they had been bludgeoned to death with a hammer asphyxiated, there we go, with black duct tape like wrapped around their heads. Um, They had also been bound their wrists and ankles. So they were completely tied up or taped up, I guess. Um, They identified the murder weapon. Um which was a Husky 27-ounce hammer. Husky being the brown, the brand and not like brand, because yeah. it was a 27-ounce hammer. It was Husky. <laughs> Just to be As clear. To the 23-inch slim hammer. Slim, right. 23-ounce. <laughs> right. Slim and sexy. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the actual cause. I look at my hammer the same. I know. Now now you're going to be like, huh, that is a sexy hammer. Ooh, and that one's husky. <laughs> that one's just like a little over the top. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so the cause of death for both was asphyxiation. And the blunt force head trauma was probably more like to immobilize them. Um, okay. And it definitely contributed. It may have even killed them had they not then been suffocated because it was pretty severe. So they they had the hammer. The hammer was there with the bodies, which is how they identified it so quickly uh, and knew how much it weighed. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a, yeah, I bet that's a, that's a 28 ouncer there. Right. Like looking at the dent in this head, that's only on bones. Um, so they tested the, the blood that was on the hammer because there was plenty and, uh, both of them, both blood samples were present. Um, there was a lot of blood. So they determined very quickly that the the two were killed in their bedroom um, because their blood had been cleaned up, but it was everywhere. So it was on the floor, under a hamper, on a vanity table, on a pair of shorts, on a t-shirt. Um, both both blood or both blood types were on the shorts and the t-shirt. Um, there was a roll of duct tape. And that I guess was maybe not laying out when the family went in there, but apparently it had so much blood on it. The quote was, it looked like it had been painted. Oh. Yep. Um, it was on the walls. It was on a TV cabinet. It was on the mattress and the box spring. Apparently every wall in the entire room had blood on it. Oh my God. So it had been vicious. Well, Although a thing that I learned last summer, which is a thing I'm not happy to have learned, mm. is that even when somebody dies non-violently, yeah. there's a lot of 
fluid. Yeah. But not, I mean, there, there is some significant amount of fluid immediately, but not spattered on every wall. Like maybe, because the, the death I'm thinking about was a heart attack. Well, right. But then was there there for a little while? Yes. And these guys were not. They were moved immediately after being killed. No, that's true. But I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's true. Well, humans are really juicy. We are juicy. We are very juicy. Um, So, yeah. So, basically, the blood was everywhere. You couldn't necessarily see it. Like if, like when the family went in and they were like, wait, she left her clothes. She left her insulin. She left her necklace. This doesn't feel right. They wouldn't necessarily have seen it. Um, they had to use like, it just says a chemical. So I'm imagining like luminol or something to, to find it. Um, well, and if he, if the person did a decent job cleaning, it could like under the hamper or on some right, clothing. Like, right. Yeah. It was when just, you're just going in to look bits. to see if things look weird. You're not looking at that. I would be interested to just luminol a space that I inhabit and see mm. how much, I mean, it, it wouldn't be like murder significant, obviously, because I am not murdered, but I feel like my blood exists in this room or especially in the kitchen. <laughs> well, right. And I am a delicate flower. So I, yes, they then started looking to phone records, the police, obviously, and they found out that the brother, Robert, mm. so not the dad, Robert, I feel like that's important. Um, his phone records indicated that he had called a shamrock cab on the morning of August 23rd, which was when they went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and then he left and like then had been gone and never returned. Really suspicious, especially considering mm-hmm. they also found traces of blood around the kitchen sink, like smears of blood that had been cleaned up, but then, you know. Were... Wait, which kitchen sink? The kitchen sink that Danielle and Brian were living at or the kitchen sink of her family home? Okay, so they were living together at the family home? So, oh, yes. okay. I thought there was an apartment or something. Yes. No, sorry. They all lived together. Wait, so, so they were all in this house in a room that was covered in fucking blood? Yes, but it was, so yes, it was covered in blood, but no, you couldn't really see it. And they, the family did apparently go in because they looked and noticed that all of her stuff was there and didn't see any blood. But like the description given by the police and like the testimony in the, in the hearing, it, it sounded like it was cleaned up pretty decently. Like all of the blood had to be searched for or like chemically uh illuminated i don't know right my thought about all of that is more like were there just huge chunks of time when no one was around because right because that is an extensive cleaning effort yes well i mean there's the murder that had to have happened and then all of the cleanup and taking two bodies one of whom was a 19 year old guy like I don't know how tall or big he was, but most 19-year-old dudes are at least, you know, tall. Yeah, and it's a, that'd be a size. big job, right? So, yep. Well, and again, lazy body disposal. Right. So we'll talk about that in just a, a little bit, though. So Robert, brother, had called the cab on August 23rd. And then he had left. Um, He'd gone to 15 Mile Road where he got on a bus. At some point, he had apparently then returned to the house because he also took, well, also missing, was Robert the Father's work van, Mm -hmm. which was taken by Robert the Son. They should have given their child a different name. It's really inconvenient. It's really problematic. And that was found in Toledo, Ohio, where they found surveillance video that showed a dude who was definitely Robert wearing a ridiculously long black wig is the quote. Or sorry, blonde, (laughs) long blonde wig. 
either way is real funny <laughs> yes i just liked the like ridiculous is ridiculous. in the court documents now so on august 29th they caught up with him in cincinnati at a library he was still in the ridiculous long blonde wig but now had added a hat and sunglasses Ooh. yeah this was real tricky to find him and they arrested him Somebody paid attention to Looney Tunes. Yes, very much. <laughs> so there was a lot of testimony given during the trial after they arrested him and they took him to court where um, the family basically said there was no animosity. Like there was no motive whatsoever. Everyone got along. They said one time <laughs> in 2017, um, Brian had made a negative comment Uh and Robert thought it was about his dead mother. But apparently Brian was actually talking about a documentary about mothers. And oh. so Danielle was like, no, that's not what he meant. And then everything was fine. And like, that was an example <laughs> of a fight. That was the most. That was all they could come up with. Gotten. Yep. So apparently, well, the, no, there was another fight. There was a fight about a cat. They had a cat that Robert and Danielle were both supposed to take care of. And one day, Danielle wanted Robert to do something with the cat. And he, he knocked, she knocked on his door and he didn't answer. And so she was upset. Like, little Whoa. kid stuff. I know, right? <laughs> no violence whatsoever. Everyone liked everyone. It was all really good. However, Robert had another thing going on, which was that after his mother had died in 2011, he apparently started hearing voices. So he had some sort of break or stress or whatever. Mm -hmm. He had been hospitalized from 2011 to 2017 when he murdered his sister and her boyfriend four times with some sort of mental issue. But it doesn't say whether it was related to like schizophrenia or if this was even schizophrenia or if it was like for depression or right. I mean it, really mental issues could even be like drug rehab. Like it could be all kinds of things. Right. Um, and I don't know anything about his drug use or lack thereof. But they did of course do an evaluation and they found him mentally competent to stand trial mm -hmm. the prosecution in this hearing brought out like photos of the crime scene and photos of the bodies and the damage that had been done it was extremely violent they were like look not only did he do all of this but then he put forth enough effort to clean it up that nobody who was living in the house even knew about it until the bodies started to smell right and he got a disguise and Apparently, I don't know if he was intentionally planning some sort of diversion by leaving the house more than once or what, but like there was confusion about his movements. Like, even though he did a really shitty job at it, he made mm. the attempt and thought it through. Right. So he was found competent and he is still on trial right now. Um, they, the defense attorney says they want an independent psychiatrist to review everything that um, when he talks to his client, he's really reluctant to talk about the voices. And so even the defense attorney doesn't know if the voices were telling him to murder the sister and the boyfriend or if they were just really bothering him or if he wasn't aware of his actions or what the deal was. Right. I mean, it is entirely possible that this guy hears voices, but... I also know nothing about schizophrenia except what I have pseudo learned from Criminal Minds. And I right. feel like it also sounds really convenient. I mean, he definitely, I feel like if I had to just guess and decide how the story goes, I feel like he definitely has some sort of mental illness. I totally 100% buy that. I even buy that that led him to commit a crime he might not otherwise have committed. Mm -hmm. however i hear voices i don't want to talk about it i murdered these people then cleaned up and hid the crime and ran away like i'm sorry you probably need to go to jail yeah and maybe you need to get some some good help while you're there but yeah, that's not gonna happen you're oh no it's totally not gonna happen but it wouldn't i mean it's not gonna happen anyway but he certainly yeah. doesn't need to be back in society because it sounds no. like he was already receiving help. Right. 
and probably better help than he'll ever get again. Yeah. <sighs> That's a bummer. Yeah. So they the last court date was March 25th. So that is ongoing. Um, right. And so there isn't an outcome yet. But just sort of based on how it's how all of the articles have read and like all of the court documentation and all that has read i would imagine that even if they get an independent psychiatrist which i I guess they can they they will that it probably will not be enough to keep him from having to stand trial and probably ending up in jail it might be enough for an appeal later to say, hey, well, we had this other expert who said, you know, so we need to look at all of this again. But yeah. the judge had already decided, like everybody had already decided, like, no, he's fine. Um, the defense attorney pointed out that since he has been in jail, he's been receiving medication for his mental illness. And he didn't think that that was fair because then, of course, he was calm and mentally competent and blah, blah, blah. Sure. But... Also, it sounds like he was not normally not calm and normal and competent. Like, if nobody ever suspected he would do this, they knew that he needed help enough to help him or to force him. Or I don't know if I don't know what the hospitalization in the past was about. But his family it's his family like kevin the brother the other brother was the one that was testifying well they fought about the cat and they fought about him not understanding that you know the boyfriend didn't say something mean about mom and um yeah and that was it and that's so it doesn't seem like the family is terribly upset with him but they also never saw it coming right yeah well and that's a hard one because some people just don't emote outwardly yeah no it's true and it sounds like they were all a pretty chill bunch yeah (laughs) yeah i mean yeah yeah interesting it's certainly sad like no matter what i i'm just sort of hoping some big twist comes out and we find out that actually you know there was this family secret or there was this incident that had happened or Robert had been hospitalized because he had killed all the neighborhood dogs and the family's been covering it up. And Right. I mean, not that I hope he's killed all the neighborhood dogs, but it just no. doesn't make sense. And if it really is, he had a mental break and did something so horrible with, and that's not him. That's mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Anyway, that's my happy story. But I did find a story about bodies and garbage bags. I actually found a bunch of them. I wrote a bunch of them, too. I can tell you more. <laughs> we could do like a whole series of just bodies and garbage bags. My problem was most of the ones that I found were either unsolved or like not concluded like this one where I mean, it's solved, but it, it's not. He's not in jail. He hasn't been sentenced. We don't know why he did it. Right. So the other one I found a FedEx worker discovered a body when she was doing her route, like thrown out with the garbage. And I was like, this is the one, but they identified the body and that was it. Like they haven't gotten any further yet. It wasn't a very good story. I know, but I was like, but that, (laughs) that's what Diana's looking for when she's driving. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every time there's a bag on the side of the highway. Yeah. Obviously a body. Yeah. And this one was, and it was. So I will say from all of my considerable research on bodies in plastic bags that um, if you find one bag, probably not. But if two bags are taped together end to end, that's a body. Definitely. Or I a Christmas figure, tree. I always figure when I see just one bag on the road that it is from when the body was cut up and it's just the one that fell off the truck. Not that they were dumped. Because I'm oh. not going down into the ditches or anything. Like, I'm driving past in the right. car. Well, I mean, or maybe they rolled it all down into the ditch and that one didn't go far enough. Maybe. Because I'm not, I'm not looking real hard for the garbage bags on the side of the road. It could be just the bloody clothes. It could be. Well, every once in a while you do see, like, a shoe or a shirt or mm-hmm. something that, you know, probably just flew out the window because some asshole was laying his feet out, but... Do you have a story for me? 
I do. And in fact, uh, funnily enough, there are a couple of elements that are very similar to the one uh, that you just told. Really? Mm-hmm. I'm excited. They're not important elements, but they are elements. <laughs> so what you're saying is I could have done this as my connection story for next week. No, because they're just kind of like incidental elements. Oh, but see, I think that's totally fine. Originally, I tried to find the tiniest detail to connect the two. Uh, um, no, the story you just told to the one I'm about to tell. I know, but there are to connect of connecting details. Right, I was trying to connect my last story to this one by the tiniest thread possible, uh, but then I failed. So instead, there we go. So, all right, tell me, all story. right. So last week on Crime Crazy. I talked about the murder of Michael Kinney and the terrible storytelling abilities of the man who kidnapped and killed him, Todd Michael Miller. Yes. <laughs> in Aberdeen, South Dakota. So obviously, I had to go to the city that Aberdeen was named for for our next story. So we're going to Scotland. Woo! Picture it. Aberdeen, Scotland, 1934. 61 Urquhart Road. Is a gray, oh yeah, wait do you see how it's spelled. <laughs> it's a gray stone building of four stories. Uh, and at the time in 1934, there were two two-room flats on each floor. Very small little apartments. At the time, this was a working class neighborhood. Uh, a lot of the articles that I read referred to it as a tenement. And families inhabited uh, most of the flats in the building. The Donalds lived on the ground floor. Alexander, Jeannie, and their nine-year-old daughter, also named Jeannie. Oh, yeah. That's what mm. I'm going to do next time is people who have the same names as everybody else in the story. I'm going to yes. find a story where every single person is named Dave. Okay, so anyway, so Jeannie and Jeannie. <laughs> yes. Above them lived the Priestley family, John, Agnes, and their eight-year-old daughter, Helen. Although the daughters were occasional playmates, the two mothers did not get along. And by 1934, they had not spoken to each other in about five years, even though they saw each other every day and they shared a front door. Helen Priestley was described both as a tall, fair-haired girl, uh, tall, fair-haired and bright. While she was a wee bit quiet, she was a confident girl. And as a rather unpleasant child, rude, naughty, and impertinent. Wait, by the same people she was described this way? Nope, there were a lot of different descriptions. She was either like the sunshine in everybody's life or just a real little bitch. Nice. <sighs> um, she had apparently taken to calling Mrs. Donald, the downstairs neighbor, Coconut. Nobody knew why. Which rankled at Jeannie until she had hit Helen. And oh. this was apparently the source of the bitterness between the two mothers. I, I could see that. Yeah, that is a source of bitterness. Also, I kind of like the nickname Coconut. <laughs> <laughs> apparently she didn't. I mean, fair, but... <laughs> I just want to know why. Yeah. Why was this child calling this woman Coconut? Because it made her mad. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. On April 21st, 1934, Agnes Priestley sent Helen to the local co-op bakery for some bread. Helen went to the bakery, and the baker's records show that she bought the bread at 1.30 that afternoon, oh, but no. she never returned home. Oh. The hue and cry was raised around the neighborhood, and search parties set out looking for Helen. One of her friends, nine-year-old Dick Sutton, said that he'd seen Helen being dragged down the street by a disreputable middle-aged man Ooh. and placed on a tram. Ooh. The police spread the word. Radio announcements gave descriptions of Helen and her captor, and descriptions were flashed up on the screens of the local cinema. The search was called off at midnight due to the heavy rains that were falling on Aberdeen, but Helen's father kept looking until about two o'clock in the morning. At that point, John Priestley was persuaded by his friend and across the hall neighbor, Alexander Parker, to have some rest, which he did. But apparently Alexander couldn't sleep or he couldn't sleep well. And at about five, he was up and at him again looking for Helen. He decided to let John sleep, and he went to the downstairs of the building, where he found a large blue Hessian bag under the stairs. What's Hessian? I 
don't have any idea. Is that what I need to look up for next week? No, because I looked it up because oh. I didn't know what it meant. But I asked my mother-in-law when she was over, like, hey, I learned something. Do you know what, what a Hessian bag is? Yeah. And she's like, well, the Hessians were soldiers. What? Is it like a soldier bag? No. Um, Hessian is burlap. Oh. Uh, so I also learned that only in the U.S. and Canada is it called burlap. It's called Hessian bags most other places, except in Jamaica, it's called crocus. Crocus. That is way, that is a nice description for a burlap sack. Yes. Um, so he found a large blue Hessian bag under the stairs. And when he opened it, he found Helen Priestley stuffed in the bag, oh. strangled, with her knickers missing, her stockings down, and bruises on her thighs. Oh, and no. Her genitals and anal region looked like she'd been raped. <sighs> Alexander was pretty sure that the bag hadn't been there when he'd looked prior to putting his friend to bed at 2 a.m., which must have meant that the killer brought her back to the building between 2 and 5. However, the bag was completely dry, which meant it hadn't been outside recently because the rain had been so heavy that they'd actually called off the search for her. Oh, right. Now, at this point, the police were still working under the assumption that she'd been kidnapped and put on the trolley by the disreputable looking man. Right. Why would he bring her back to her home to dump the body? Right. Police had another chat with Dick Sutton, the nine-year-old kid who told them that, and he admitted that he'd made the whole thing up. What a dick. That's why you don't trust nine-year-olds. Or name them Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Police had gone on a wild goose chase looking for Helen, but maybe they should have been looking at her home. Yeah. Maybe the killer had never left the building. So attention was turned to the Donalds. Jeannie Donald was known to yell at Helen Priestley for her bad behavior. Helen had been known to torment the Donalds by bullying their little girl, kicking at the front door, and rattling the banister outside of the Donalds' door to annoy them. Um, I have a nine-year-old. That sounds about right. Yeah. She was known to yell at Jeannie Donald in addition to uh, calling her coconut. It was well known that Jeannie Donald did not like Helen, and the Donald family was the only one in the building that had not helped look for her. Oh. The police interviewed the Donalds and looked at the other evidence that was available, such as the blue Hessian bag that Helen was found in. It had been stamped with a Canadian export mark. Examinations revealed a few interesting things. The bag had once contained flour. It contained traces of washed cinders, which was an unusual and out-of-fashion method of cleaning at that time. And it had saucepan marks indicating that it had been once used as a tablecloth. There weren't a lot of local places that imported flour from Canada, but one of them was a bakery close to Urquhart Road. The owner confirmed that he had received a shipment with those kinds of bags, and he also said that a local customer had come and asked if she could have some of the bags, and he gave her a handful. Upon questioning, that description of that woman matched Jeannie Donald. Yes. Other hints were coming up, too. One of the residents at 61 Urquhart Road said that he'd heard a child scream at about 1.30 the day that Helen disappeared, and a Slater working in the alley behind the building had also heard the screams Mm. a slater is a person who puts the slates on the roof my mother has a slate or used to have a slate roof and now she has all the slate oh that's so cool right yeah i just had to take a break from your story for a second there (laughs) (laughs) that's okay Police were beginning to think that Helen had made it back to 61 Urquhart Road, but maybe not up the single flight of stairs to her own flat. So it was time to search the Donald's flat. And according to the Wattpad article I found on Murderpedia, oh dear, if they didn't find evidence upon evidence that something terrible had happened to Helen Priestley inside those walls. Such as nine identical blue Hessian bags. The same as the one Helen's body was found in, and they all had the same saucepan marks on them. Okay. Somebody needs a pot holder. Yeah. I don't know Blood. if you're using a bag that somebody gave you as a tablecloth. It really, that's fine. They were poor. 
Well, right, but like you don't also need a potholder. Well, I suppose that's true. It was so funny. So um, I'm going to take a break here because it's going to be a bummer. Um, There is a picture of the apartment that the Donalds lived in, like while they lived there. One of the, I'm guessing, investigative pictures. Mm -hmm. And it's a two room flat. You only see the one room and it's not a big room. But like when you look at it and you're told it's a tenement and they're a working class family and all of these things, like they have this amazing furniture that like I would like in my house. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting what poor looked like then versus what poor looks like now. Right. The things that are, yeah. Well, well, right. But you know, if you had like furniture, it was what I would consider to be nice furniture because it was like real wooden shit. Whereas now when you don't have money, you go to Target or Walmart or or Ikea or you have cheap shitty stuff that doesn't get passed down. I mean, you probably have like Goodwill, like beat up old stuff. Well, right. But like, you know, they had, there was like a really nice break front and maybe it wasn't, it was a black and white picture from 1934, but that thing had probably been passed down through generations because you could do that. Yeah. The Ikea shit I have in my house will break and I will put it out on the curb and that is it. Yeah. My grandchildren are not going to have it. Yeah. So it's just, it was, it was super interesting. Um, but anyway, so blood of the same blood group as Helen, which was pretty sophisticated for 1934. Yeah. Was found on a packet of soap flakes, a scrubbing brush, and some cleaning cloths. Wow. Sir Sidney Smith, Regis Professor of Forensic Medicine at Edinburgh University, discovered that Helen Priestley had had suffered from a rare condition which enlarged her thalamus and caused her to produce an extremely rare bacterium, which also caused her to be prone to fainting. Hmm. And this bacterium was all over the Donald flat, the floor, the rags, the counters. Wow. I could not figure out what the disease was. There's lots of things that can cause an enlarged thalamus, but nobody talked about bacteria and the records of the time weren't real clear on where the bacteria came from. But one of the theories was that, um, whatever happened and we don't actually know what happened, um, that she got scared and she threw up and then she passed out. Right. Um, so maybe that was the bacterium because I don't know that you would necessarily shed enough that somebody in 1934 could figure that out. Could find it, right? Yep. But yeah, that makes sense if she was sick. Well, right, because, you know, yeah, kids barf a lot. Sir Sidney also examined the blue hessian bag and found dust fibers containing cotton, wool, silk, cat hair, rabbit hair, and some human hair that looked as if it had been badly permed, like Jeannie Donald's hair had been. (laughs) (laughs) It's like shade on top of accusations. Oh, so much. And her hair sucks. And her hair looked like ass. Sir Sidney also took a sample of dust from the Donald household and found that it had the same makeup right down to the badly permed hair. Wow. Alexander Donald was arrested and interviewed, but police were puzzled as to why he'd raped the little girl before murdering her. And the quick answer is he didn't. He didn't rape or murder her. He had a solid alibi. He was a barber and he was at the barber shop where he worked miles away during the time the murder was suspected to have taken place. God, this is just making me ill. Okay. That left just one suspect. Yeah. Jeannie Donald. Samples of Jeannie's badly permed hair were taken, and it was proved beyond a doubt that it matched the hair in the bag and in the flat. And the police were dumbfounded. Women didn't murder like that. No. Jeannie was arrested, and her trial began on July 16th, 1934, exactly 20 years before my mom was born. Uh, Happy birthday, (laughs) Diana's mom. In 20 years. (laughs) She pleaded not guilty, but had no witnesses and no alibi. Because she did it. 
the prosecution relied on 184 witnesses <sighs> and hundreds of exhibits. So her defense team's defense was simple. Since the little girl had obviously been raped, the murder, the motive of the murder was sexual, and Jeannie Donalds was physically incapable of raping a girl, which seems awfully heterocentric of them. I mean, <laughs> yes, and. In 1934. But Sir Sidney had examined Helen's body and found a complete lack of semen and also didn't think that the bruises on her body had been caused by a rape. He thought that they'd been caused by the shaft of a hammer or a broom handle to make it look like she'd been raped. Oh, my God. I don't care what a pain in the ass this child was. It's awful. The most damning evidence came from Jeannie Donald's own daughter, Jeannie, who testified that the loaf of bread found in the Donald's flat, which was the same kind that the Priestleys usually bought, wasn't theirs. Mm, Yep. Based upon this and the other forensic evidence, it took the jury 18 minutes to convict her. Wow. George. Yeah. 18 minutes. Uh, The judge, Lord Aitchinson, had never given a woman the death sentence before and it brought him to tears this is widely considered to be one of the first convictions in the world based on forensic evidence wow Jeannie appealed and she lost which even she expected the lord provost of Aberdeen which uh, I guess is kind of like the mayor received a letter from the secretary of state ordering that her sentence be commuted to life in prison which it was because you can't put a woman to death no reason just you're not doing it she was a model prisoner so much so that when her husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer in june of 1944 she was granted compassionate leave to care for him and when he died she was allowed to remain free she took an assumed name and she died in 1976 at the age of 81 having never spoken of her reasons to murder helen Priestley. wow Never talked about it. We don't know how it happened. We don't know why. I mean, right. Not specifics. I would have just assumed that it. Yeah. She was pissed so off. The, and kind of the, the theory I buy into the most, because there are, of course, a lot of them, and they all really center around like the kid was a brat and the woman just couldn't take it anymore. Right. Which just lost it. I get. Um, so kind of the prevailing theory was that because of whatever this, whatever hypothalamus or whatever it is, disease that she had, that maybe the woman, Jeannie, had started like yelling at her or had hidden under oh. the stairs and came out to scare her or something like that. And Helen fainted because of this other condition and she thought she'd killed her. So she like tried to hide it. Tried to hide it and also tried to make it look like it was a rape to throw her husband under the bus. Yeah, that's Or maybe shitty. not necessarily. Well, or maybe not necessarily her husband, just a man under the bus because her right. husband had a solid alibi. And I'm sure she didn't know that they were going to be able to take like hair and fiber samples because it was 1934 and that wasn't a thing that Anyone happened did. much. Wow. I'm really impressed with the forensics. Like... Yeah, it was super interesting to read a little bit about that. And, you know, and now, of course, it's all kind of laughable. Like, it was the same blood group. And still, it looked like badly permed hair. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But, you know, to be able to identify some bacteria and identify the different fibers and. Yeah. And to figure out that she had this, you know, brain problem. Yeah. That's all really sophisticated for that time. Yeah. Kudos to them. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is so depressing, though. Like, I I guess that theory makes me feel slightly better because maybe the child was totally unaware of all of the horrific abuse. Yeah. But also, if that were it, why wouldn't she just say? I jumped out of her and she. Right. I jumped out of her. She fainted. I thought I'd fucking killed her. Yeah, but I mean, if the choice is, hey, I killed her, 
Yeah. It or says there's no good out. Get away with it. Right. And maybe she really didn't think that they would punish her, which they kind of didn't. Yeah, not terribly. No. I also, it was interesting um, when they talked about when her husband got cancer, you know, she'd be in, she'd been in, I can't talk tonight, for 10 years at that point. Mm-hmm. And I have to think, and everybody's different, but if my spouse had been in the joint for 10 years for killing a little girl, I don't know that I'd want that person taking care of me in my final time. Right. Well, and it had at least temporarily thrown suspicion on me. Like, they looked at him. Well, and even they've been separated for 10 years. Yeah. Like, that's just, that's rough on a marriage. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. And I don't know, again, like, no idea what, why they decided not to put her back in after he died. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I I was going to come up with a reason and then I didn't have one. Yeah, no, lots of unanswered questions. (sighs) All right, well, I like all the connections, though, the unanswered questions and the... Yeah, and the naming. Naming and the... Yeah. Your child, the same thing as you named... Your, I was going to say you named yourself. That's wrong. I mean, <laughs> that's impressive is what that is, yes. actually. Yeah. But I think I'm going to start calling Liam Diana Jr. I'm sure he's going to love that. I mean, it's frequently how I refer to him in my own brain. <laughs> so. All right. Then... I just have one more question. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for us this week? Ooh. If you don't, I do. Ooh, let's do this. Okay. Erin, do you have any advice? I do. I do have advice. Could you please be a little more creative when you... No, 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 no. I'm not phrasing it that way. <laughs> You're getting into Diana territory here. <laughs> I know. Let me go. Let me back up. Creative is the wrong word. I don't want creativity. Um, but there are a lot of really good, solid names available. You have your name. There is already a you. It is not necessary for you to name your child the same thing. It will cause much less confusion if you could please just pick another name you like for your offspring. I would also like to mention that I am not a woman who is known for remembering things. And this may also be be a problem for other people. But I promise that with enough repetition, you will remember the different name of your child. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I, I, I would even be okay if you wanted to pick names that like resemble each other. Like if mom's name is a Eleanor and you want to name the kid Elaine, like you can pay homage to whoever it is that you are trying. Absolutely. There are other names. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Valid so ones. While you're at it, unrelated to our stories, if you could just spell them right. Love you, Dad. <laughs> I was going to say, Aaron with a Y. <laughs> but let me tell you, causes a lot of headache. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Call your people. Call your people. And don't end up on next week's episode.